0: Welcome to the New Mama Podcast. I'm Lauren, a new mama to little Logan, and I'm here to share women's stories of pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. We're talking about the ups and downs of motherhood through raw, vulnerable, no BS conversations, because in reality, you can't have a rainbow without a little rain. This podcast is here to be your friend, the friend I'd wish I'd had in my darkest times to remind me that I was not alone. And it's okay to not be okay. We're in this together and mama, you got this. Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of the new mama podcast. I'm super excited to have here with me today, one of my saviors during the last eight months of my motherhood journey, Patrice Newport. Patrice is a wholesale director for a global sporting company, as well as mama to little eight month old Teddy. She lives in Sydney with her husband, Nick, and dog Ruby is a triplet and enjoys taking both baby and dog for runs in her local park. Welcome, Patrice. Hi, thanks so much for having me. No problem. How has your day been?
1: It's been quite good. Pretty lazy. It's a rainy day here in Sydney, so uh, taking advantage of that and just getting heaps of cuddles with Teddy and watching a bit of uh, reality TV.
0: <laughs> Does Teddy like reality TV or is that your choice? Uh,
1: no okay with it.
0: He likes it. <laughs> Not Coco Melon.
1: <laughs> Not Coco Melon. No, we were putting that off for as long as possible, but he's into the Real Housewives. So that's really good.
0: <laughs> that's convenient for you. <laughs> all right. Well, let's jump into the episode. How was your journey to conceiving?
1: So our journey was pretty good. Like, I mean, it all started with COVID, which I'm sure a lot of new mothers journeys start with COVID nowadays. Um, so we had a holiday plan, my husband and I, to go to Italy of all places. So a lovely four-week holiday, the first since our honeymoon actually, which is about God six or seven years ago now. Wow. Um, and that was meant to be happening in April of 2020. So uh, we had planned to go and the weeks were rolling closer to our fly out date and It just was not going to be possible due to COVID and what was happening in the world. So um, we were pretty bummed because it was going to be our last holiday um, before we, you know, seriously considered trying for a baby. Um, And I guess just after we were meant to leave, we were like, what are we waiting for? You know, um, Mm -hmm. we don't want this to stop us and the world's just going to keep on ticking over. So why not try? So I think it was over the Easter weekend we, you know, gave it a red hot go and um, it happened about a week later we found out we were pregnant with little Teddy.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so quick.
1: Yeah, we we were pretty lucky. I mean... I was a bit hesitant because I guess a bit of a backstory when we first started dating, we had an unplanned pregnancy and we, you know, thought about it and just decided it wasn't really the right time for us. So we did end up having a termination. Mm-hmm. So that was always in the back of my mind that that could play a part in us conceiving. But luckily, um, you know, it it didn't. And we were really blessed to to have Teddy, you know, nine months later.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When I was actually looking into abortions in Australia, I found that a lot of the language around ability to conceive after was really vague. Yeah, like will not usually have any problems conceiving, or it doesn't generally impact on today. Yeah. um I feel like it's such a grey area. But obviously, didn't affect your ability at all.
1: No, and I feel like it could also be a, a bit of a wives' tale. Like I know there has been a lot of research done and. It now is proven that it doesn't really affect your chances, but. When you hear friends of friends and family members, you know, having these worries about it like hurting your chances, it does kind of stick with you even though there is proof to up to otherwise. So yeah, it was always in the back of our head, but luckily it didn't come into play. And yeah, we were kind of lucky that it happened really quickly for us.
0: And how did you know you were pregnant? Did you take a test or did you start getting early symptoms?
1: Yeah, so um my husband is a scientist, so he's a physics teacher so he's very scientific with all of this so he did a lot of research in in the couple of days that we were trying and I think about six days later we did a pregnancy test and it was funny he was on a zoom class and I walked out with this positive stick (laughs) and held it up behind the camera and he was like um, all right, students, I just have to pause and do something. And he kind of jumped up, forced <laughs> everything. And we kind of danced around the kitchen in uh, shock. I was actually in complete shock. I was really kind of overwhelmed that we were having a baby um, yeah. because it just did happen so quickly. So yeah. we kind of booked in for a uh, an ultrasound just to you know definitely make sure that I was and um, also saw my doctor for a blood test and and they all confirmed that that in fact we were pregnant but Mm. they also did find that my HCG levels were rising quite dramatically so that kind of indicates that there could have been a multiple birth um, on the cards and I was kind of mortified at the prospect (laughs) of, you know, I am a triplet, as you said in your lovely introduction, Um, but I definitely did not want to have triplets. And I remember sitting in bed and I was kind of working, not working myself up, but hyping myself up going, you know, two would be fine. We could get away with two. (laughs) And then Nick's like, but what if we have triplets? And I just burst into tears. I actually, you know, it was just such an overwhelming process uh, to process because I know how hard it was for my parents to have three babies, mm. you know, all at once. And they did an amazing job, but I was like, this has got to be crazy if it happens. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I think it was cause we caught it so early the, um, that we were pregnant, that it was jumping. Usually you probably have a longer time period to mm. um, before you test for it. But then we did go back and get a couple more ultrasounds and luckily it was just the one. So a big relief there. I've got to tell you.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That is, yeah. that is so funny because even with Matt and I in our journey, I actually had really low levels of HCG oh, really? initially. Yeah. yeah, And I'm not sure why. The first t- test I took was negative, And then a few days later, I took another one and it was positive. But I think it's quite common with a lot of first-time mums when they fall pregnant to have the fear of multiples. And I think yeah. you do kind of hype yourself up because certainly for me, my mum before me actually had a miscarriage with twins oh, wow. um, and Matt has twins on his side of the family so I just got it in my head that we were having twins plus the family that we bought this house that we live in now from had twins and I was just like it's an omen. It's, it we're is. gonna have twins like <laughs> ah anyway I was so relieved <laughs> just I it was one keep that for the second one <laughs> (laughs) touch wood (laughs) it's what it is though right like you would have done it and it would have been all fine but it's just such a thought and as you said when you do find out you're pregnant particularly if you haven't really had much time to process as you say it is such a shock to the system
1: it really is (laughs) like you one day you aren't and the next day you are and then every day after that your life is completely different um so Yeah. It's a massive change, even finding out you're pregnant because you know how many other changes will be happening in your future. So I think the one thing for me, I just kept on asking all the doctors. I was like, now I'm an IVF triplet. I don't think that it's possible that, (laughs) you know, triplets are in my family. And they're like, no, you should be fine. So luckily for us, um, yeah, it was just the one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And how was the rest of your pregnancy?
1: Yeah. Look, after that, it was it was pretty um, straightforward. It was pretty easy. I think like I didn't really have any morning sickness or any pain throughout my pregnancy. Maybe in the last couple of weeks, I was a bit more, um, you know, not able to move around as much. Yep. But in those first, uh, you know, the first trimester, um, I had a really cruisy pregnancy, so much so that I had a lot of anxiety that I actually Had lost the baby and wasn't pregnant. Like I just had to keep checking and trying to feel a heartbeat. And sometimes I really kind of stressed that because I didn't have any signs that I wasn't, in fact, going to have a baby. So that was probably the only nervousness that I had in my first trimester. But then once we had the the NIPT test or the NIP test, um, I felt much kind of calmer that everything was going to be okay. And there was a heartbeat and he was growing at a normal pace. So um, yeah, it was, it was pretty seamless really. We went through the midwifery group practice at St. George and the care that they got for a low risk pregnancy was fantastic. So um, yeah, overall the pregnancy, was quite good.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and obviously, I know that you did the calm birth course because yes. that's how we met. Yes. Um, how did you find that for preparation? I found it amazing. I think for us, it really
1: cemented the fact that we were having a baby. Um, mm. During COVID, there wasn't really any opportunity to go and visit people or to um to go to any other classes in person. So we were kind of lucky that we were able to do calm birth in person and seeing other you know mums and couples that were pregnant going through the same thing as you at the same time it was like oh wow okay yep this is really happening yeah and for me you know my husband as I said he really was aware of the scientific process of birth and pregnancy where I was kind of like, oh, you go into hospital and you have the baby, right? You know, what else is there that you need to know? Um, So for me, it really opened my eyes to the step-by-step process. And it made me feel quite empowered going through the course. And I think for Nick, all he wanted to really get out of it, which he did, was what can I do? What, what do I need to look after? How can I support you? And I think it gave us really good, you know, relatable level-headed common sense tips on, on how to get through it.
0: Yeah. And I definitely think that immersing yourself in a two day program is really good, particularly for the supporting partners, because they're not the ones that are carrying the baby. They're not the ones that kind of are constantly feeling kicks. Exactly. and that kind of thing and I think that's when if you do something like this together it really means that you're on the same page and you go in knowing all the same tips and tricks and coping mechanisms and how they can support you during the birthing process and beyond yeah how was Teddy's birth after going through the cam birth course and going through the pregnancy how was Teddy's birth
1: so um, Teddy's breath was pretty straightforward in the sense that we started at home. Um, I felt contractions probably the Wednesday night. He was actually born four days overdue. Um, mm. So we were due on the Sunday um, and I felt some pain on that Wednesday. And so I went to bed because it wasn't that uh, intense at that stage and woke up on Thursday and I was like, okay, This is now feeling pretty intense. Um, And with all of our tips and tricks in the Calm Birth booklet, I think we had kind of our birth plan all laid out, which was really great. So we had a Swiss ball, I had a TENS machine, and we had some music that I wanted to listen to when I just you know, was at home with Nick and with Ruby, who was a great therapy dog at that point, um, just kind of going through what we had planned. And I think that was another great thing about um, Calm Birth. It really pushed us to create that birth plan and be on the same page and prepared for when it happened. So we were at home for about eight or nine hours. And then probably in the afternoon, Nick called the hospital and was like, she's really in pain you know, can we come in? And our midwife was like, you can, but I'd suggest trying to lug it out a little bit longer at home. Yeah. And I tried getting in the shower and that wasn't really helping a lot. So I was just on the the medicine ball. And I remember Nick's parents came over actually to Mind Ruby and I was just not in a great way. I was like, Nick, we need to get to the hospital. <laughs> These are getting too intense. And yeah. like, I was just screaming through my teeth, trying to get through those contractions. So, right we were timing yeah. them and they were in that kind of one minute mark and um, that's when we decided to kind of go to the hospital so we only live around the corner luckily so Nick drove down and it was like in a movie we pulled up out the front in the emergency bay <laughs> they wheeled a wheelchair out
0: to me they helped me in and I was like it was very surreal I was like what is happening I thought you're gonna say it was like in a movie and I gave birth in the car park yeah <laughs> and Teddy came out there
1: and then no I wish um it was a little bit longer than oh. Like I expected. So yeah. we went up and um, my midwife assessed me and I was already at almost six centimeters dilated. And she's like, wow, you did a really good job at home. And I was like, I told you I was in pain on the phone, <laughs> <laughs> but we kind of got into the room, which was really kind of lovely. I set up my candles and I was really wanting to have that natural vaginal birth. Like mm. I really wanted to not have any drugs and really kind of go through the process as naturally as I could, I suppose. And um, Nick was a fantastic support at that stage. I think I nearly broke his hand from the (laughs) amount of squeezing that I did, but um, he was there every step of the way and the, the contractions were getting really quite intense. And so we moved from the Swiss ball onto the floor and that's when my midwife was like, look, you look really dilated. We probably need to get you into the shower. And so before we could kind of get to the shower I was like, I can't move. Like I need Mm. to be on the bed. I feel like um, he's going to be coming soon. And she did a bit of an internal examination and that's when my waters had broken. And that's Mm. when I guess I was like, okay, I need to have some sort of pain relief because this is getting really intense. So yeah, that
0: was probably that transition, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I didn't want to go to the extreme of having an epidural at that stage. So I just had had the gas and that made me really, really loopy. Um, and I really, yeah, couldn't, couldn't probably do that for much longer. And they kind of did more assessments on me and the contractions were getting closer together. And she's like, right, I think the baby's going to be coming in about an hour, but we do see his heart rate dropping every time you have a contraction. Um, so we just need to monitor that. And so they monitored it for a while and then they said look it's probably at the stage where we need to call someone in Um, Mm -hmm. and I just remember my midwife and I was like okay and I remember my midwife going now it's going to get really medical really fast I just need to press this button and there's going to be a lot of people that are coming into the room Mm. and she did that and a lot of people rushed in and um, I think I had about three or four um, internal examinations and they just said look, he's really in distress, his heart rate isn't rising quick enough for um, him to be in an okay place. I think we're going to have to, you know, have an emergency caesarean. Um, mm. And that was a bit of a shock. Like I felt like I almost had a bit of failure in that moment. Um mm which is tough because I did want to kind of conceive naturally. But at the end of the day, the health of our little one was the most important thing. So the doctors knew this. My midwife kind of had let them know. So to kind of give me more of a chance to conceive naturally, they said, we'll give you an epidural just to kind of slow down your labor Mm. to see if you can dilate in time for him to come out safe and sound. So they set me up. They gave me an epidural mid contraction, which was very painful. Oh. <laughs> Not so much the the needle, but just trying to stay completely still when you're having a needle stuck in your back is very, very hard. But yeah. as soon as that went in, I was on cloud nine. I couldn't feel a thing, and I was just <laughs> focusing on, you know, breathing and trying to um trying to relax as much as possible. Yeah. So I guess after that. Um, we waited, we waited another couple of hours. So it was now almost one o'clock on Friday morning and my heart rate or his heart rate, sorry, um, just kept dropping. And they're like, I'm sorry, but we're just going to have to go and and do an emergency cesarean. And I got super upset. And I remember the one thing Nick said to me, he's like, babe, don't be that upset. Honestly, we've got 15 minutes and then we actually get to meet our son. And as soon as he said that, I was just, you know, I felt the strength from him when he said that. And I was like, you're right. Why am I getting so worked up about this? We're about to meet our little baby. So
0: I went in and yeah, about 15 minutes later, we got to meet him, which was fantastic yeah that's amazing and what you're saying around you felt a sense of failure I think when people go in and they've they've got it in their head in their heart that they really want to deliver naturally etc it's not a failure when you have a cesarean because the babies arrived safely like it might not have gone exactly. to plan kind of how you'd planned it but ultimately yeah. the baby was here safely and you can you know you conceived you grew them they're healthy and then they arrive into the world I don't think it matters how they arrive
1: yeah and I think like it's just a really good lesson like as much as we had a plan of how we wanted things to go and you know by nature I plan for a living so I had everything planned to a T tea <laughs> and um, it was the first lesson of many that mm. they're little people and they can do what they want and they'll be doing what they want <laughs> for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And this is the first time that he's making that choice. Yeah. So um, yeah, so it was it was all good at the end. I think it's just in the moment you have these irrational feelings mm. and, you know, I still felt going through calm birth that it was a real positive experience for us yeah I think that it was empowering and I you know really wouldn't have wanted it to go any other way if Mm. I'm honest at this point Mm -hmm. um but I think the positivity kind of ended at that point and my recovery was super hard Mm. so um I remember you know once we had had Teddy I couldn't really lift my arms because I had too much anesthetic in my system. Mm. So holding him was really hard. I had the shakes from the anesthetic as well. So I had this beautiful baby. I was so thrilled that he was there, but I just couldn't enjoy that moment. And Nick had to be the one to hold him Mm. um, and look after him, which it was completely fine. Like, I think he was really happy about that, but it probably wasn't the you know the ending that I would have liked yeah Um, I would have loved to have held him and looked at him and um, felt that love bubble and unfortunately it just didn't pan out that way
0: yeah and was that absence of love bubble temporary or did it come back once you got the feeling back
1: um I think my recovery in general hindered it a little bit Mm -hmm. if I'm honest Mm -hmm. um I had a couple of issues at the hospital where I had two infections where my scar was so that was really painful. And I was on antibiotics for that Mm. as well as painkillers. And I had to go and have, you know, some tests and some ultrasounds to make sure that there wasn't anything more serious Mm. happening. Mm -hmm. So I think just being in that much pain really didn't allow me to be in that love bubble until after we kind of got home, if I'm honest, and the, the recovery care that I got wasn't probably the best. So that also didn't help with my mental state. Um, when we came home, we actually left the hospital early mm. just because I said I couldn't stay another night in hospital. So I think that all kind of culminated into the fact that, yeah, I didn't feel it till probably about that, that second week or seven Mm. days later when I was feeling a bit better and um, we got home and we were in our own space.
0: Yeah I do feel like that's really common because obviously if you didn't want to have any intervention you didn't want any drugs or anything like that to then have that mask those feelings it is really hard and you had a bad experience at the hospital post-birth did you say? Yeah
1: so I just didn't have great overnight care I um, felt really I guess undervalued if that makes sense so um, I had really short nurses with me that you know just said you know go to the bathroom and get back into bed or you know you're gonna have to look after your baby and change his nappy like that's not our job and just really for a first-time mum to hear those comments in hospital you know not even 12 hours after you'd given birth it was just um, a pretty lonely time. Mm. So much so that I try, you know, was trying to breastfeed Teddy and he wasn't latching. And I was that worked up and didn't call anyone um, that my nipples were were bleeding. And, you know, the, the nurse coming in, in the morning was like, what happened? Like, we are so sorry. What do you need us to do? Mm. And, you know, it's, it's just a shame that 1% of a whole experience can ruin the 99% of amazingness that I felt at that time. Uh, so, yeah, it was pretty challenging coming home after that experience because, um, as you probably know, cracked nipples take time to heal. Mm. So, breastfeeding was a little bit of a challenge yeah. um, at that time. Yeah. And also just not having control over your body, um, mm. you know leaky nipples, sore scars, just feeling exhausted and trying to keep a baby alive. It's its all very overwhelming in those first
0: couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry you had to go through that. That's really tough. And it's not the first time that I've heard experiences of being in hospital and not feeling like you're being treated kind of respectfully or you know, taking into account what you've just been through because it's such a life change and it can be really traumatic. So that's a shame that you experienced that.
1: Yeah. But again, like 99% of the nurses were absolutely amazing and would bend over backwards.
0: So Mm -hmm. it's again, yeah, that 1% that, that just stays with you. Yeah. And just quickly, I'm just curious, did you use the TENS machine? Oh my God, I did. Yeah. It was an absolute lifesaver. Really? I can't recommend it enough.
1: I hired one and I had it on for, oh God, it'd probably be like 12 hours. Wow. And it was just a savior. Like for any new mums or expecting mums that want something to help that's not medical or you know a drug um I, I definitely recommend it it was definitely a lifesaver
0: I didn't know I had never even heard of a tense machine until we did the Cam birth course and I'm like that sounds amazing but I went out to the um my trusty friends on Instagram and asked about people's experiences of using one and it was very mixed and I was like you know what? I'll just truck through and and hope yeah. that it's okay. And I didn't get one. But so for those listening who don't know what a tense machine is, what is it?
1: So basically, it sends electromagnetic waves through a machine um, to your back through these little um, stick-on pads. And what happens when you start to go through a contraction, you turn it up and it kind of vibrates and it masks those pain signals that are getting sent to your um, brain um, and alleviates some of that pain that you are feeling. So. It starts on a low setting and kind of just vibrates. And then when you hit your contraction, you turn it on and it, um, yeah, it mixes up those signals. So you don't feel as much pain. Did Nick use it? (laughs) Nick was so interested and he was going to try, but he's too hairy. And I was like, can you not ruin this for me?
0: It needs to go back to the higher place in one piece. Thank you very much. Oh my God, that is hilarious. No, I was just curious, just knowing, you know, that he's a scientist, he's so intrigued by those kind of yeah. things. I just,
1: <laughs> it was honestly, I would recommend it to anyone. And it also counts the minutes between contractions. So again, because I just love tracking everything. I was like, okay, babe, we're at five minutes, not long now to go. And so it was just a good way to take our mind off, off the whole thing as well.
0: Yeah, that's so that would have come in handy for us because I was in labor for 52 hours with Logan and Matt, bless him. (laughs) <laughs> wrote down every contraction <gasps> no he did not no he started on paper and then we realized there's an app for it because obviously yeah. there's an app for everything yeah. um and he started using the app but oh my god 52 hours the wow. for a guy i'm like i'm having a contraction and he's like write it down oh my god anyway that would have come in handy for the next one i'll definitely bear that in mind yeah yeah um so moving on so teddy arrives safely into the world and you're finally in that love bubble yes what have you struggled with so far in your motherhood journey?
1: Yeah, I mean, I had to think about this and everything is a little bit of a struggle. I just think any new skill that you acquire, it just takes time to to get good at it. And practice is obviously Mm. what makes perfect. So I think in those first couple of uh, weeks and months, um, we just had to really get used to that new routine because it was a whirlwind of a change for how we used to live. So the feeding schedules, the late nights. Um, Nick was amazing. He, you know, at every feed, because I was still quite sore, he Mm. would come in and grab Teddy and bring him to me so I could feed him and really look after him. And he was responsible for nappy changing. So that was a massive help, but it's the sore boobs. It's the lumps in your boobs. It's you know everything to do with breastfeeding was such a struggle in those early um, weeks and months I was quite lucky that I had a good milk supply but that just meant I would be leaking coming out of the shower or when I heard him cry I'd be leaking so that was just a bit of a skill that I had to master the crying I would take sleepless nights with a happy baby over a crying baby any day of the week just knowing Mm -hmm. that your little one's in pain and teddy had a lot of um wind and a bit of colic so just the cry after each feed or you know going to bed and him just screaming his poor little lungs out that was Mm -hmm. really hard to deal with all day I remember just calling a friend and she wasn't working at that time. And I was like, can you just please come over? And she was here within 20 minutes and I just burst into tears. I was like, he won't stop crying. I've tried everything. And
0: um,
1: that was really tough to deal with at first until we kind of got treatment for that. And that eased a little bit, but just everything about a new routine is, is what we struggled with. Currently, you yeah. know, it's um weaning. I'm currently weaning Teddy because I'm going back to work. So, you know, making the decision to stop breastfeeding was a really massive one that I struggled with. Um, mm. And so making the decision and then going through with, you know, weaning Teddy, that was massive. Starting solids, not going red in the face when you think they're choking and they're just, you know, having a bit oh. of a, a gurgle. Yeah. It's it like, it's all just... <laughs> It's all just a little bit of a struggle but having yeah. said that he's a real you know chill little baby so we haven't had too much to to worry about which is really really lucky um, yeah. But it's hard. Like, yeah, it's all just a, a new learning curve. Yeah. It's
0: crazy, isn't it? Because the first month, it's such a steep learning curve and you're learning everything and everything's new and you finally feel like, right, I'm onto it. I know what's going on. And then they change again. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and then there's a leap and then they're teething and then introduce solids and then this, that and the other. And now you have to start giving them water and you yeah. have to sterilize everything. <laughs> you have to remember the water bottle. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think I saw something on Instagram and it was like a image of someone leaving. It was like a cartoon image of someone leaving the house pre-baby. And it's like they've got their wallet, phone and keys. Someone leaving yeah. the house post-baby. And it's like the list is endless of things that you need to take. And now I, I appreciate why mums would often be late or not come at all or the schedules yeah. might change. Like I have so much yeah. respect for for mums and how they're able to juggle so many different things.
1: Uh, it's, it's a mastery. That's for sure. I think with COVID though, Nick and I really worked to a great routine. So we found it actually quite useful not having to leave the house. I know that sounds funny. And, you know, if we had the choice of not having COVID, we definitely would, but having that lockdown and having that time to not feel guilty about not leaving the house and getting Teddy into a routine and having Nick spending so much time with him whilst he's working from home has just been a blessing. But, I mean, I left the house yesterday because we had COVID uh, lockdown restrictions lift here in Sydney and it took forever. It took forever to leave <laughs> the house. And when we got home last night, we were exhausted, both yeah. Teddy and I, because, you know, we just haven't done it in so long. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's all a learning curve and um, we're definitely yeah, wanting to get out into the world and I guess take on that new challenge, which will be exciting.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's what, you know, you just said it's everything's a new challenge. Like I remember Matt was on leave for two weeks when Logan was born and I remember him going back to work and me thinking, oh, I'm going to have to get him in the car. Like I'm going to have to put him in the car seat and I'm (laughs) going to have to drive. Like I haven't done this before and it was such a big deal. And then now I look back and I'm like, oh, that's so lame. But it's true. Like everything is such a big deal at the time because you've never done it before.
1: No. And they're such precious cargo, you know, like (laughs) it's just this precious little bundle of joy that you don't want to break or ruin or make upset. And you just want them to be the happiest, healthiest baby that they can. And that's a hundred percent down to your care. And that's stressful. Like people that don't get stressed or take it seriously, you know, that's an issue. So (laughs) I think it's fine. I think it's a rite of passage to be that anxious or worried. And yeah, you're right. Looking back and
0: thinking, well, why was I worried? I'd rather do that. Um, for sure. Absolutely. And you mentioned that you are returning to work soon. How are you feeling about going back to work?
1: I am. So I'm feeling really good. Like, I think, you know, I go through days of going, oh, my God, I've got five weeks left before I go to work. I don't want to go back. And then I flip between, like, get me back to work. All I want to do is have a proper conversation because all I've been doing for the last eight months is talking baby talk and forgetting what I thought about five seconds ago. So (laughs) to get back to like a a sense of normal or a new normal is really exciting. I mean, I had a funny incident where I gave birth to Teddy in end of January. And in October, our company went through a massive restructure. And at that point, been working long hours and putting in so much effort and um, really enjoying my job. It's my dream job. And through this restructure, I actually got um, promoted to director and did so much, I guess, pre-work before I went on that leave that would set up the person that would take over my new role. Mm. Um, and that kind of started on the 1st of December. So I had about three weeks in this new, exciting, amazing role that I then had to hand over to, to someone to set up and build from the bottom up. Mm. So I'm really excited to get back and to get stuck in and, and make a difference with my team, which... You know, is going to be really exciting, not just for me, but also um, for Nick, because he'll be spending a lot of time with Teddy and doing school drop-offs. And I think it's just going to be another great learning curve and a new routine that we can work together to to kind of to make. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a struggle working out how to juggle the responsibilities of work and of being a mum, but. I think having teddies just made me want to be a better person and a better role model. And after speaking to women that I work with, they say, you'll be amazed at how efficient yeah. <laughs> you are when you come back. Yep. Like you'll have priorities and you'll be really firm on what you can and can't do. And yeah, you'll, you'll get it all done just because you want to be there for your family and you want to be there to watch little Teddy grow up. So I feel excited that um, work understands that, and I'll be able to play both hats and feel that kind of personal sense of fulfillment as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I very much feel the same. One day, I'm like, how am I going to leave my baby? I like, know. I have been with him every day for the past, I mean, by the time I go back, it'll be nine months. And yeah. then on the flip side, I'm like, I cannot wait to go back and have a purpose other than being a mum, and kind of yeah rekindle those friendships and relationships at work and just have that something else that fills up your cup at the end of the day and I think it's good to have a bit of apprehension about going back because it means that you obviously care about your family you care about your job and as you say it's just about getting back to a, a new routine that new normal even for me doing this podcast is like a bit of a, a hobby because when we were in lockdown, I was starting to go a bit crazy and I just felt like I really wanted to use my brain. And I feel like because I'm doing the podcast and because then I'm being a mom, it makes me less likely to procrastinate because I'm like, right, I've got an hour to do this podcast recording. Then Matt will be back with the baby and then I'll be in mom mode. And then I'll go back to podcast mode when he goes back to bed and that kind of thing. And I, I think it's important to have a mix of different things that make you who you are.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, work has been such a, a large part of my life. Like I love working, I love what I do and I've been doing it for nearly 12 or 15 years. So to get back to that person that I am at work and to have Thoughts about things that aren't diaper changes or you know leaps or feed times. Like it's just gonna, just going to be nice to reconnect them up to that self. Yeah. Um, and as you said to all my work colleagues, who you know they are kind of like your family. You see them for more of the day than yeah. you do your husband or you know your partner or your your baby. So um, it has been you know a little bit of a miss there, and I've missed them as well. So I'm excited. I'll maybe we'll do a podcast. Um, <laughs> Round two, and I'll tell you how work
0: is <laughs>
1: after after I start. I might retract all my statements.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One thing that we have discussed um in the past, and I'll move on to the next question now is baby brain. So um, I'm a bit yeah. nervous about returning to work and not being able to finish my sentences or not recall the most simple word. Yeah, you'd mentioned that that's what surprised you with motherhood. Tell us about yes. your baby brain. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, we all see like the the Instagram reels and the TikToks of women's brain pre and post baby. And, you know, I laugh hysterically now at those (laughs) because I understand what they mean. I would be mid conversation to Nick and completely forget what I was talking about. And he would be like, What is wrong with you? I think we need to go to the doctor. Like, and honestly, be concerned that I've got early onset dementia or something because I would just not be able to listen or retain information or even sometimes speak. But I just think it's that overload of new information that you have to retain. Yeah, it's a survival skill that takes priority over anything else. Yeah. Um, and you know, Nick would joke. He tells millions of dad jokes um and science jokes and they're just like look they're not funny but usually I would laugh and I just he's like you're not even listening you're not even taking what I'm saying and I'm like babe I've got too much other information in my mind so it's hard like I haven't put the keys in a dishwasher yet or in the (laughs) fridge so I don't think (laughs) I'm at that stage but um yeah not being able to retain information and have a an articulate way to say things has been really hard. And the other thing that I've really struggled with, and people can probably relate that have had children, is the hair loss. And (laughs) like that's the one other thing that surprised me. It's just the the hair loss and the changes to your body that you have no control over and that you don't foresee coming. Yeah. Um it's it's really quite frustrating to not have any control over that. So Hopefully when I go back to work, I'll have silky smooth hair and my baby brain will diminish slightly. But I feel like I'm stuck with it for a little bit longer.
0: See, (laughs) I think I just had over the top baby brain. I didn't have as much as the hair loss. I definitely did have a bit. But my baby brain, I know you mentioned that you haven't put the keys in the dishwasher. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, I was feeding Logan and then I don't know about you, but for whatever reason, I put his spoon in my mouth when I'm like, I need my hands for something else. Yeah. And I turned to Matt and I was like, Matt, I can't find his spoon anywhere. So bearing in mind, I'm using my mouth to talk. <laughs> this spoon is hanging out my Did mouth you? and I'm like, I can't find it anywhere. And he's just looking at me like, honest to God, <laughs> are you being serious? <laughs> did you have wine at lunch (laughs) no not on this occasion (laughs) definitely not
1: I know it's it's really quite scary that you could yeah as you said have a spoon in your mouth and still be talking and not know that the spoons in the mouth so look I think it's all part and parcel with the journey
0: yeah as most of these things are yeah well let's hope our brains go back to normal let's hope our hairs are luscious and ready for going back to work yes so let's finish on the final question what has been the best thing for you about becoming a new mum?
1: Uh, there's so many to list like <laughs> honestly this is very cliche and generic but mostly everything like the, I could name a couple the when Teddy wakes up well, I have to wake him up and he just opens his eyes and giggles and puts his arms out for me like that's heart melting watching him you know try and crawl or taking steps or, you know, learning a new syllable. Like it's just all so enjoyable and I've never really felt that overwhelming whole body kind of love that you get with having a new baby. It just blows my mind that our bodies create humans and for the first six to eight months they live solely off us. Like they're created from us and they live off us and it's just such a special bond to have with with your with your baby and as I said before I think just having him makes me want to be a better person a a better role model for him and just the way that he's changed our relationship in terms of our family dynamic like it's Mm -hmm. really beautiful Nick and I are probably closer than we've ever been through having him and it's just really lovely to watch our family evolve. Um, and he's a, just a bloody little legend, my little teddy <laughs> teddy bear. He's just he's just so chilled. So yeah, just knowing that I can see him and everything's okay, and his smile's really infectious. It it just lights my heart. So that would be the best thing that I would say about being a mum.
0: Yeah, agree. And you are <laughs> a bloody good mum, and Teddy is a bloody gorgeous bub. So oh. congratulations on producing such a beautiful little human thanks so much laura <laughs> <laughs> well it's been so lovely chatting to you obviously i've heard much of your story before but i would never get sick of chatting to you so thank you for sharing your story with the listeners and i will chat to you soon amazing thank you thanks for listening to the new mama podcast be sure to hit subscribe to hear future episodes or share with a friend otherwise if you'd like to share your story send me a dm via instagram at new mama podcast and remember it's okay to not be okay We're in this together and Mama, you got this.